हाय एवरीवन आई एम अतुल मोंगा हेयर एंड आई एम फाउंडर एंड सीईओ ऑफ बेसिक होम लोन interesting fact despite all the digitization in the financial services sector most people today still use a very offline approach to getting a home loan this works when the price of a home is a crore or more but when it comes to affordable housing an offline process becomes expensive and hard to scale and this is the opportunity that basic home loan is chasing Atul Monga the founder of basic home loan is a fintech veteran and is chasing an ambitious mission to make affordable home loans accessible to bharat by using an innovative asset light approach stay tuned to learn more about how the home loan industry operates and how basic is disrupting the market and please to subscribe to founder thesis on youtube or any audio streaming platform okay so uh before we talk about your journey can you give like an elevator pitch of what it what is basic home loan okay uh, at basic home loan we are trying to digitize mortgages in india so if you see uh, mortgage is one of the three key necessity of any or as in home is the key three key necessity of any human being roti kapda aur bakar but in india if you see uh, we have the highest homeless population in the world people living in slums people living in you know uh, uh, not you can say practical houses uh, they are living and uh, the problem in india is not that uh, we don't have land or we don't have money to give to these people the problem is the that lenders want good people to whom they can lend and the customer need money so there is no bridge over here obviously there are traditional channels like bank branches or you know agents in between but uh, there is no tech play here in india mortgages are just 10% penetrated which is very low as compared to international centers so to bridge that gap we started basic and uh, we started as a broker initially and what we did is that we go to customers we help them uh, qualify for the right bank then we have uh, the integrations with the bank where we do paperless applications and we help them in tracking their applications and we help the customer in the final disbursement of their loan uh, we follow a digital approach uh, because few things cannot be 100% digitized in india like mortgage evaluation we don't have a mortgage database in india or a property database in india so that's supposed to be done offline so that is done through our agent network so in a way for our customers is a completely digital experience sitting at home they are getting their home loans done and uh, we are trying to digitize the various work streams which are associated with the uh, you know mortgage uh, application in india so uh, what are uh, some numbers about the business uh, what is your disbursement rate like monthly disbursement okay. total amount disbursed and uh, what uh, you know just just share some numbers about basic okay we started 3 years back and uh, now we are at a monthly run rate of close to 1000 crores of disbursements per month every month we get about 5000 crores of home loan applications and we are able to disburse 1000 crores out of it uh in the terms of our presence we are now present in 30 cities this will be our uh, first uh, our third full year and we'll be crossing 100 crores in uh, revenue and uh, you know we have been always cautious about our profitability we were always profitable on unit economics in last month we have become profitable on a better level and uh, uh, we have been growing every year uh, this year by march we'll be doing 2000 crores of home loans every month so at that time we'll be the largest distributor of mortgages in india and so, this year uh, you also raised uh, 
series A of, about. No, we did series three series B. Till date, we have raised uh, three rounds of funding. One was uh, during the initiation stage. Uh, we got uh, you know some money on our paper idea. Vitus Capital. We raised five hundred K USD at that time. And then in October twenty one, we raised our series A. Uh, at that time, we raised close to twenty five crores, which is about three point five mil. And uh, now uh, recently, we have raised close to forty crores. Okay, okay, amazing. Um, what made you the right founder to start this business? You know, there is this concept of founder market fit. Just tell me about yourself and why you are the right founder to do this. See, I believe, uh, you know, in mortgages, unlike any other loan, you need some kind of expertise. It's not a volume, as in a vol- number of customers volume game, which more of a, you know, a depth game that how much you know about a particular case. Now, obviously, it's a wholesale lending. My, even though we focus on affordable housing loans, our average ticket sizes are close to 30 lakh rupees or 25 lakh rupees. So, uh, still, on, uh, which is a big number as compared to any person on our business loan request. So, uh, even if you see big banks, uh, their mortgage customers will not be like, in millions or uh, you know, tens of millions, it will be limited, but it's a wholesale lending, so you need that depth. Now, I've been working in this space, in mortgage space since 2015. I've worked as an across lending product, uh, and uh, I have in my previous experiences, uh, I have worked with companies who are like nascent startups to uh, people who have gone uh, IPOs. Uh, so I've seen the industry very closely from the LZ angle, from the banking angle. So I uh, in five years, I accumulated uh, some experience in, in this industry. And then when I got this opportunity to build something of my own, uh, means uh, I cannot say I'm apt to founder for this, but I believe that I can do it. So that's why I started it. And till date, it is working well for us. Uh, you said you worked in companies which are in the lending space. Uh, what, what was your role functionally? Like, were you in sales? Were you in underwriting? What? So, um, I was primarily in sales and business development and maybe I can tell more about my career, how it, well, my career is slightly, you know, uh, gone. I changed back many times, so I started, I graduated in 2009 in, from IIT Delhi. So, uh, I started my career with Credit Choice as an investment banker. I advised a lot of banks and insurance companies for their M&As, IPOs, debt raise. Uh, for some, briefly, I worked in India also. I worked on that Kotak and ING and uh, my last assignment, uh, uh, was in Singapore and Hong Kong and I was working with a lot of financial institutions group. In 2011, I got a tip from someone that what's happening in China right now. So I was helping a lot of Chinese companies for IPOs. So someone told me what's happening in China right now will happen in India in the next 10 years. You should go to India, work in the startup ecosystem. And it was a good tip because in 2001, uh, 2021 exactly, we got our first IPO in India for startups. So uh, in 2015, I came back to India and started working in Indian uh, fintech space. I worked with a company called Rubik. Uh, at that time, it was, they just started. So I helped them raise their $3 million uh, from uh, Canary Capital and then joined them uh, as a business development head. Then eventually moved what, to sales. What was the product, Rubik? So they were doing, uh, you know, all kinds of loans. They were a marketplace uh, for all the banks and all the products. So there I, that was a good experience because I learned the across products. I learned for credit cards, personal loans, business loans, commercial vehicle loans. They were doing everything. And they, they were then, like a uh, bank bazaar. Yeah, but they were more focused on fulfillment. So they had an engine network with, so lead generation was not online, rather offline through agents. 
so there i i got to work with agents work with banks and i saw the whole fulfillment process it was not just a company passing on leads they were doing the fulfillment so there i was able to see that thing happening across the product groups then in, uh, the the difference in these two approaches uh, company passing on leads would be like say a bank bazaar and uh, yeah. doing fulfillment would be where they have uh, somebody who goes picks up papers who gets the customer yeah. signed on the agreement uh, Yes. Uh, submits all of those papers to the bank. It's more like the ESA business that there's a selling agents and they were aggregating the DSS so that they can digitize this DSA industry. Now, uh, uh, both the both of them have different approach. With a DSA, you can even work on big ticket loans. You can even uh, advise on complex transactions rather than just keeping it to credit cards or personal loans. So they have a different approach. Uh, then I joined uh, Policy Bazaar, so I was uh, you know. Uh, Working in Pesa Bazaar as part of Policy Bazaar Group, and uh, in Pesa Bazaar, I was managing again. They they were doing something in the offline space through these agents only. So I was leading it as a business head. And uh, in twenty twenty, when uh, COVID happened, so you know I, I was looking for an idea for something. You know I can do of my own. Since uh, you know on our television screens, it was apparent that there is a problem. People are moving out from cities to their houses. So housing is a problem. I'm working in the same domain. So that's how I, you know, the basic idea came into being. And uh, I was lucky enough that I got a call from Pikes Capital for a job in uh, Germany for their portfolio companies. And uh, uh, I didn't want to move out of India. I have seen some good success stories in my family only. Uh, my cousin, my brother, they have sold their companies. They they have built good businesses. So I wanted to stay in India. So I just pitched them this idea and was lucky they, they you know, helped me with a 500k investment. And uh, that's how it all started. You know, uh, uh, I'll say I was lucky enough that everything was falling in place, and uh, I should not be saying this that uh, you know I'm venting on someone's misery. But in COVID, a lot of people were getting unemployed, so I was able to get initial team members who were you know very good people. They weren't just let go because of COVID, so I was able to make a good team in the beginning and uh, got some funding. Also, idea was there in my experience domain, so that's why we were able to scale very fast with all these factors incorporated. Amazing, amazing. Um, uh, uh, Ficus Capital does like early stage investing. Yes, so Ficus uh, is a European fund, and uh, they do uh, investing at multiple stages. One such program they run is where they write ideas on paper. Uh, they they write checks on paper ideas. So like Sequoia Research, kind of. A... Yeah, you can say that they they don't call it as a separate kind of program, but it's under yeah. Ficus Capital only. And at that time, Ficus wanted to uh, establish their footprint in India, so they were meeting people. Uh, and uh, that's how uh, they caught me. They connected me through LinkedIn, by the way. It's outside that someone introduced. Okay, amazing, amazing, amazing. So uh, luck played a large role in the. Yeah, I'm very, the, very grateful for that. Uh, okay, okay. Oh, what do you need to uh, start? Uh, so essentially, what you started was a digital DSA for home loans, right? That that's, that would have been. No, so one. we we wanted to do it in a different way. See the aggregation. To some extent, I believe it's very difficult to make it profitable because margins are very uh, wafer thin kind uh, here. So uh, uh, from day uh, one, aggregate means that you work with multiple DSAs as a layer between them and the bank. Yeah. Okay. It, it, okay. It's of no use to bank why? Because a DSA is supposed to get say X amount. You are paying him more because there is a layer in between. So, yeah. uh, so our model is different here. Uh, we don't just ask agents to bring us customers. We generate our own customers and we give them uh, for fulfillment. So basically, we have a funnel where we acquire customers. 
So it like we have actually multiple funnels, multiple types of sourcing. One is through influencers. So you know, when we started, we started with the influencer channel. That yeah. no one goes in market to buy a home loan. People go in market to buy a house. Now, if you're going to a CA for a free advice, that sir, where should I go for a home loan? Now that CA will give you a free advice. If I tell that CA that you know refer that customer to me and I'll, I'll give expert to that customer and I'll pay you something. So basically, I monetize that reference for it. So similarly, there are property dealers, there are many other profiles. Now, we know in Burgaon, we even have, uh, you know, many uh, housewives in societies who are not referring us customers. Because, you know, in the, at least in Gurgaon, if you go to any society, there is at least one auntie uh, who is entrepreneurial. She will be doing some MLM or those kind of things. So we make them as our influencer that if something is going on in your society, monetize it. Then second is our direct online channel where we acquire customers for digital marketing, Google and other stuff. And third, we go directly to builders. So we saw that, you know, if you see any DS in the market who is working on home loan, they don't want to work on small ticket loans because their unit economics don't work around there. And in an affordable housing loan and that to a construction link plan, the first tranche would be very small. It would be 3 lakhs, 4 lakh rupees. And then after every 6 months, 5, 6 lakh rupees of disbursement is happening. So the money is not that big. So they generally don't do these kind of cases. But since we were working through technology, so RL economics uh, can can take that kind of cases. So now we go to builders, we tie up with them, we help them in getting their projects pre-approved from the banks, we integrate into their CRMs. So now whenever they are selling any uh, new inventory or they're launching a new project, we get exclusivity in that, that we get wholesale customers, as in we get 2,000 customers who have booked the apartment and we help them in getting loans from the bank. So this is our third channel. And then we have alliances with various other market players who are into real estate or you know, allied services. So we get customers from them and then we assign it to the DSs who are there in the market. That uh, these DSs, now they use my mobile app to qualify them for the right product, then do a paperless application. We have integrations with the bank so we can provide step-by-step tracking. So all the, those things are built around technology in our system. And so technically I'm not asking agents to give me leads, I'm asking them to fulfill my leads. And since we are providing leads, so we have control over the payouts we pay to them. And that's how we become profitable. Okay, amazing. Um, yeah, I want to zoom into some of the things which uh, you were speaking about. First of all, uh, how does a DSA earn uh, in case of a loan? Uh, like, do you get a percentage of the amount disbursed or what? Or is it a fixed fee? Or? So, uh, you know, our fees are generally uh, of various kinds. One is obviously linked to the disbursement amount. Once you do any disbursement, bank pay you a fixed amount. Then... Uh, uh, bank pay you for cross-selling few products also like if you cross-sell home loan insurance or life insurance or if we help the customer in setting up a bank account with the same bank bank pay you for that money and finally then uh, there are volume and incentives that if you do more volume bank pay you more we, for the bank uh, we are reducing their opex yeah. whatever they are supposed to do in their branches through their personal my agents are doing that so more and more volume we do more and more they pass on to us these are three types of payouts we get from the bank and uh, you know pass on a, a part of that payout to the agents. Okay, uh, you signed up with the banks and what what was the nature of your relationship with the bank? You were a DSA for the bank? Yeah, yeah. so see, unfortunately with banks there are only two types of relationships currently in market and, and by the way we are exploring third also. Uh, first one is a pure lead seller like web aggregators or become a DSA. Now, idea is that uh, when we started, we were no one and we could not challenge the bank to create something new. So uh, that's why we have to agree on the DSA. But now, uh, 
and in our progress also our portfolio has been fairly clean we never got any red flag from the bank or npas or anything so we have created that vintage so we it's easy for us to get that advantage here so and what has been the npa rate on the 7000 crores that you have dispersed so far see generally as a broker i am not responsible for the npas but we keep on discussing with the banks as of now no bank has come back to us with any kind of red flag so this means that even if there is an npa it's under their threshold limits so that otherwise they would have told us that you know if the portfolio is getting bad and they might have blocked that course with them so it's not it has not happened so this means we are doing it right okay got it got it and the uh, what is the financial benefit of being an lsp rather than a dsa if you are an lsp with a bank yeah do you earn more for, yeah definitely because in a, a dsa you are paid only once by the bank Uh, at the time of disbursement, and then bank here take. So, uh, you said that disbursement happens in tranches, so you don't get paid for each tranche. You are paid for the each tranche, but that is only in construction link. Like so, overall tension okay. is for a fifty lakh rupee loan, and then uh, uh, suppose ten, 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 five tranches has happened. So overall, you are earning one time on that fifty lakh. Okay, but uh, but uh, or if it is a recent say case of say twenty lakh rupees, then you are paid only once by the banks. But in terms of uh, in our FLDK arrangement, uh, you can put your own margin. So the bank will say that okay, uh, you have secured the loan book for me, but my minimum rate of interest, which I at, at which I lend, is say ten percent. So now if I go out in market and I lend the uh, to customer at twelve percent, so whenever the EMI is collected, ten percent will go to the bank, two percent will come to me. So there is a recurring revenue stream. So you get better margin. So you become a lender without having a book. Amazing. Okay. Okay, 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 and I believe Paytm is also using this approach, right, to build their. Yes, uh, yes, they are doing it in personal loans and many other products. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, what is the average uh, spread here in uh, FLDG? Like you said, ten and twelve. So we are currently a... working on. You know that those ones just you know. Put it together. I understand. Yeah, yeah. So But we are like... actually working with the banks. We are finalizing these numbers. Obviously, mm -hmm. uh, would like to be competitive as compared to other HFCs in the market. So you know, we are competing with yeah. HFCs who are lending at a rate HFC, of like housing finance, housing company. finance company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in in home loans, it is not NBFC; it is HFC. So mm -hmm. it's a different type since. So uh, uh, so basically, there are lend, uh, institutions in India who are lending at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-two percent for mortgages. Mm -hmm. We want to compete with them. We believe their operations are inefficient because they lack technology. So, uh, if you see their cost to income ratios, there it can be up to seventy, eighty, ninety percent. So, believe through technology, these cost to income ratios can be brought down, and customer can be given the same loan which they are getting at eighteen percent to at at least you know thirteen, fourteen percent, or maybe at twelve percent if we can reduce that opex for the bank. So, uh, we are working with the banks that how much uh, they will provide to us. In terms of NIM, we want to keep our NIM close to two to three percent, or uh, NIM is uh, net interest net interest margin. margin. Yeah, about three percent or four percent of our name, so that we are earning the same amount which other uh, HFCs are uh, earning. Uh, but overall, we will be lending at a lower rate. Amazing. Okay, that that sounds fairly disruptive. Um, the uh, why why is the cost more for traditional uh, housing finance companies because they need people to go and collect documents and all that because you also need people to collect documents so what is yeah, what so is the difference in cost structures okay see how a typical hfc works is that their operations are through branches so whenever they want to expand to a geography they will open two three branches they will hire a credit team they will hire a sales team they will hire a ops team hrsu team 
Now, even if a customer comes or not, they have to bear those costs. And, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, the second thing which happens is that they don't want to open branches in those areas where they don't have enough customers. So, you know, in tier 3 cities or maybe in uh, those remote locations where you don't have too much density of mortgages or too much penetration of mortgages, HFC will not prefer to go there because they will not be able to cover their fixed costs, which is human costs, admin costs, you know, branch costs, those things. Now, our model is different. Whatever a branch is supposed to do, what we have done, we have uh, we have actually created a distribution using technology and agents. So that the whole thing can be done, uh, which a branch do, through our mobile app, or then our agent. And these agents are paid only on disbursement. So I don't have anything fixed over there. It is all variable. And technology obviously is variable. And in fact, lower than you know personal cost. So uh, we believe that's the differentiation we have created. Now, even if I have to start a branch in a remote place in, say, uh, uh, Nagaland, Assam or somewhere where no fintech, I think they, they have not reached too much over there. I I just need a, a human being over there, an agent. He can download my app, he also can download my app and they can advise their customers. So I don't need a branch. So we can penetrate easily into peer to peer three cities. We, we can uh, be more uh, profitable because we don't have any fixed costs. So that's the difference between us and the uh, traditional housing finance companies. In fact, okay. if you see, yeah, uh, 70 or 80 percent of total home loan disbursements are done in top five, uh, you know, states. And if I go by city by data, it will not be more than uh, 10 cities. And about 50 percent of this comes from Delhi and Mumbai only. So that's the skewness in the distribution of mortgages. Because people don't have branches in, in their locations. Uh, you had mentioned uh, right at the beginning that our mortgage penetration rate is uh, 10%, which is uh, much lower. What's the benchmark? What would uh, like... GDP. So 10% yeah, of GDP. the GDP it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you see developed economies uh, like US or UK, it's around 65%. Wow. See, whenever a mortgage is not just a loan, it actually is very beneficial for the economy because when a land is mortgaged, that piece of land comes into the formal economy. It has got a price. Government has got to know about it. People, and you know, there is a whole society being built around it. So there is social promotion over there. Then, uh, you know, the communities are built. There will be more, you know, people living over there. There will be more businesses over there. So mortgage actually promotes economy. So mortgage penetration should be higher. In fact, if you see other Asian countries, in China, I guess it is around 30% in Southeast Asian countries, it is again around 25, 30, 40%. In Hong Kong, it is close to 50% or 40%. But in India, it's very low, it's just 10%. Right. And I believe a lot of the Asian economies also experienced high growth purely because of the real estate and the lending group, like China, especially. Although now I think it's coming back to bite them, but it did contribute to their growth. They now have the ones that will go cities. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Okay. See, okay. in India, uh, that that stage will come fairly late. The reason is people don't have houses here. Uh, means uh, there is so much land available. Uh, we are like the seventh largest country in the world. Uh, and when you know, if you see here, we have hundred and ten, or in fact, more housing finance companies in India. You name any business conglomerate, they will have housing finance business. Why? Because it's a profitable business, secured loan. Uh, in fact, if you see Mr. Adar Punawala, the first business he uh, started or you know acquired after that Serum Institute or after the COVID was Magma House Infinite. It's, it's such a profitable business. Everyone is there. 
so so there is a you know people are sitting with money they want to lend and uh, the customers need that money but that that gap is there which we believe uh, we are trying to uh, you know uh, uh, build a bridge in that hmm. right yeah because it's asset backed uh, and uh, yeah. typically like you don't see too much price swings in the real estate uh, and again, what happens is that these are these affordable housing loans are more secured. Why? Because for a for a person who is not that rich or a poor man, uh, you know, home is the only asset he creates in his whole life. Then he give it to his children, yeah. and eventually they fight over it. <laughs> that's everything. But that's the that's the only investment they build in their life, and they might do a default in a personal loan because that default impacts that person only. But here, his whole family will come on road. So hey, eat afterwards. First we will pay the you know home loan EMI. So in affordable housing, and it's actually easy to repossess a property from a poor guy rather than for a person uh, like Vijay Wale. Yeah, so true, so true. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the irony. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the reason for the low penetration in India, what is you're saying that uh, uh, low ticket. Uh, Loans are not preferred, so th there is not enough, uh, not enough businesses who are going after low ticket loans. Then you also no, said, no, 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 no. I that's not exactly what I said. See, actually, low ticket affordable housing loans are part of private sector lending in India, and every bank needs to maintain forty percent of their books in that. But they are not, uh, you know, profitable business because you know, unit economics are is not good if you have a fixed cost model. So, see, you earn as a percentage of loan amount. The more the ticket size, the better you will earn. Now, for a bank, uh, you know, they are not able to meet their priority sector lending targets. So, at the end of the year, they, pre they pay premiums to buy books from other HFCs. And that's the reason there are so many affordable housing finance companies. Now, the uh, problem is not that the ticket size is small. The problem is that the penetration of branches in India is less. So, people actually don't want to build branches in those locations where mortgage penetration is low. Because they will even for the initial period of the business, they will have to incur losses, which a bank don't want to do. And second reason is that traditionally in India, people have been you know afraid of mortgages. <laughs> As you see, uh, no one it's actually considered bad in India to go and mortgage your house or mortgage the gold in your house. Means people will take a personal loan at 14, 15 percent. They will not take a loan against property at 19 percent because it, it's considered as a taboo. But now, uh, with uh, more, I say, I'd say education of people, people are coming and they are buying mortgages. It is actually increasing. Uh, it's growing at a kicker of around 15 20%. And as per Mr. Deepak Pare, there was a news article last August in 22 that uh, in India, in the next five to six years, there will be around $300 billion of new mortgages to be done. So it's such a big opportunity. Uh the phrase mortgage and home loan are exactly the same. There's no difference between them. No, home loan is a type of mortgage that in a home loan, uh, you are mortgaging a house which you don't own. So you take a loan to buy that house. In a loan against property, you already own a house and you mortgage it and then you get the money and you can do anything with that money. So the use of proceeds is different. Okay, okay. So mortgage includes both uh, purchase of new house as well as loan against property. Yes. Got it. Okay. Uh, how much of your business is uh, in which bucket? Like new houses versus see, uh, loan against property? See, loan against property is generally for uh, business owners uh, who needs big ticket loans. So uh, we actually wanted to solve the problem of affordable housing. 
So we focus more on home loans. So 85-90% of our business is home loans. And that's how we named the company Basic Home Loan. Uh, we wanted to focus on home loans only. LAP is something you exist in markets so customer will come. And as a new company, as a broker, I can also know to the customer. And uh, if it is revenue generating. So we do it, but we, you know, uh, we consciously don't go out in market to find those customers. Got it. Okay. Uh, you said that uh, products don't exist for some type of customer base. Uh, give me some examples. Like what are those blind spots where customers are uh, unable to get loans, uh, even though they might okay. be good uh, credit risk, but they are unable to get loans. So uh, it generally exists on the property profile. Like in India, not every property is registered. Uh, in fact, people avoid registries. So uh, there are general power of attorney kind of agreements leasing for next 100 years or maybe a Gram Panchayat property or Laldora property in around Maharashtra in those regions and then uh, uh, I think you're based around Bangalore so in Bangalore you have Khata A, Khata B, Khata C, Khata D so many Khata properties so uh, not all are officially registered with the agreements are registered with the government so a, a good lender will not want to uh, you know lend on a property where it becomes difficult to repossess so like a GTA, general power of attorney property, uh, generally lenders don't want to lend. Or uh, in Bangalore, as I mentioned, Khata B property, generally people don't do. Now they have eventually started, but these are the properties that people don't do. Recently we had a case uh, where our dentist was looking for a home loan. He was buying a GPA property. He got a loan at 17%. Think of a dentist, he's the most cash-rich person. Means even if he start a job, anywhere he'll get the customers. He's getting a loan at 17%. So if I go to that guy and tell him that, okay, I can give it to you at 13%, I can acquire that customer very easily. So these are but, some of the ingredients. Uh, why, why are you comfortable with uh, these kind of uh, not clean registration properties? No, these are not clean. And so that, uh, we are also putting a checks and balances. So what happens is that these properties are done, but done with uh, more risk. So small HFCs or uh, you can say uh, uh, those HFCs who can take more risk, they lend on those properties, but at a very high rate, 18, 19, 20%, because they build it in their NPS. That okay, uh, for a normal HFC, the NPS is 1%, we assume we will get around 4%, so let's build it there. So they do it, but the cost income is high, so their eventual lending rate is very high. So we believe that we can reduce that cost to income uh, to a good uh, you know, percentage. And then even if they put the same kind of uh, risk uh, uh, as in coverage over there, you'll be able to lend better. So th that's the thing. And again, you know, uh, when you do a small ticket loan, then eventually it's the profile of customer which matters. It's the, you can think of a 10 lakh rupee loan as a mortgage loan also, but as a personal loan also, which is which is additional security of a property. Okay, so it's not so that's why we start, we are starting with affordable housing loans. I'm not doing a one crore, two crore house which is done on GPA. I'm doing it in small ticket loans where you can think of the loans like a person with a business loan which has additional security of a property, and that property again you have done your checks and balances and you put their risk coverage in your LPS. That's what we are doing. Okay, okay, very interesting. Okay, uh, you you mentioned a number of times about the cost to income ratio for uh, lenders. Uh, just help me understand uh, this uh, income is the spread here, right? Like your yeah. cost of funds is 10%, you're lending is, at 17%. So that's 7%, that is your income. 
Like what is what is cost yeah. income ratio? So income is the normal income you get after paying your uh, you know uh, the uh, the net interest margin into the loan which you have. So it's the income mm-hmm. you're earning. And costs are the operational cost, not mm-hmm. the provisioning cost and not the cost related to lending, but your general uh, you know cost of operations. For a bank, it would be the branch cost, it will uh, human cost, SG and A, those kind of costs. Okay. And uh, what's a good ratio to have? Good ratio is there is no definition, but yeah, generally if you see banks who, which are uh, good, uh, you know, managed in a good way, they generally have it around 30-40%. Okay. But uh, th- does this mean that uh, they, they are earning a margin of 70% on home loans? Is that the right way to understand this? If you're no, no. So, so if they are earning a margin of whatever margin they are earning, in that margin, this SGLA is 30-40%, then they will have their NPA provisioning cost, then they will have their other tax and other costs also there. So eventually they will land at a bit of 10, 15, 20%. Okay, okay, okay. Got it. See, got it. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so uh, coming back to uh, what uh, the way in which you are building this up, uh, you said that there are four channels through which you acquire customers online, influencers, which is like the chartered accountants or neighborhood aunties, uh, and uh, uh, real estate uh, developers who, when they sell a property, then automatically your uh, services are kind of upsold. And then you said alliances. Uh, what is alliances here? So, you know, uh, as you have, uh, you know, offline influencers like a CA, you have digital companies who are influencing customers' decisions. So, you know, property portals or people who are advising customers on their financial management, we tie up with them. That is, you get any kind of uh, customers whom you are advising. So, you can take a digital form of an influencer, uh, but in, uh, as a platform, we are tying up with them that uh, you integrate our services with you. What's an example of this? Can be, you know, uh, we have not done it yet, but for example, 99 acres. Okay. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, because people would start their research for a house uh, on platforms. See, we we put our product in front of builders and these alliances like this, that if you today start an e-commerce company, you will not start building your own payment gateway. You will just go and tie up with Reservate. Okay. Uh, because you will get all the services. Because you know, if tomorrow, say, Government of India launches something new like a UPI, it's not your core to build that into your platform. Your core is to sell uh, your e-commerce products. Similarly, for a builder or for these kind of online players, their core uh, product is to sell houses or maybe something else. So they don't want to tie up with banks. They don't want to integrate with banks. They don't want to create technology around mortgages. So we are like a mortgage gateway that their customer checks out on our platform. And instead of you know taking money from the customer, we provide them mortgages. So that's amazing. the right analogy I'll say. Amazing, amazing. I love this uh, checkout platform as a idea. Uh, this could possibly like do like a three x four x for you, right? Uh, in terms of the opportunity. Yeah, it, work, it works well for us. Yeah. So for a builder, what we do is we tell the builder integrate us in your CRM. Or we will give our app to your sales team. Whenever a customer books a property, you, your, our PPI will be called. And uh, you can send me that data and uh, customer will get a message that a basic representative will call you uh, to help you in your mortgage. So you get a seamless experience for that customer that he applied and immediately he has been asked for mortgage. Obviously, when he is asked for a mortgage, so someone calls him. So that becomes a good experience for the customer. Mm, right, right, right. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Um, so yeah, this yeah, from thousand crore of so you're currently able to serve twenty percent of your demand. Uh, 
What's yeah. an ideal percentage that you want to serve? I believe that out of these 5,000 crores, we can very easily disperse close to 2,000 or 2,500 crores. Because those 1,500 crores of more customers, they are good customers. I, it's not only that I don't have product, there are other inefficiencies also in our system. We are also building a company. So sometimes so what happens is I don't have geographical coverage over there. We are in 30 cities as of now. So uh, I am present, say, in Chandigarh. So I can cover Zirangpur, I can cover, cover Mohali. But if I get currently a customer in Ludhiana, I'll have to leave that customer. So if, you know, we are expanding our cities also. By the end of this year, our target is to reach 75 cities. So, uh, uh, you know, then we will be able to cater to those customers also. So that those are some things which we are building. And it will take some time uh, that we will reach that uh, thing. But yeah, one thing is good that the product which we have built, through which we qualify the customer to the right bank, we have built it on the credit policies of the bank. So we, when we started, we, we thought that we are no one to tell bank that this is the right customer for you. So rather, that's their job. So rather take their credit policy, digitize it. So we actually create a credit assessment memo and then compare it across the bank and then show the recommendations. Now this system works very well for us. If a customer has applied on my platform, so from login state to sanction state, our ratio is more than 75%. We give this guarantee to our customers that if in two applications, we are not able to get you a home loan, we'll pay your first CMI if you get it from somewhere else. Wow. That's what, <laughs> so we are probably one of the few or the only fintech company in India which gives guarantee of their job. No other platform will give you this guarantee. Uh, and this guarantee you would give only to people whom you qualify, right? Uh, you would not give this yeah, so, to everybody who applies. Yeah, so when a customer comes, my agent or my platform shows them offer. So I tell them if there is no offer, I cannot do anything. But if yeah. there is an offer, then I will try first with a bank. If it is not done, then as my ratio is 75%, I try again with the second bank. And then it should definitely be done. Mm. Because, you know, customer has to also has to pay a login fee to the bank when they apply. So I don't want to waste their money. Okay. Uh, login fee, sir. Okay, I, I was so not when aware you of this. So when you apply to a bank for a loan, bank asks you for some, uh, you know, upfront payment, which is generally called login fee or IMD, uh, initial money deposit, something or processing fee. There are the different names to it. But see, Bank is not like a startup that they will give goodies to their customers. They, you know, they will take money for each and everything they are doing. So if a person is actually evaluating your application, even if it is rejected, there is a time spent on it. So bank is that money. Ah, right, right, right. Okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah. For the for their operational cost of uh, doing yeah. the credit evaluation and all of that. Yes. Uh, now here again, I like to stop you. See, this thing in our FNDG model will be done free of cost. Why? Because I'll be doing it through technology. I'll be mm. qualifying using my rule engine which I have built. We call it product eligibility matrix or PEM internally. So I will not be using a human wing over there. So that's the benefit to the end customer. That you can check your eligibility with me free of cost rather than paying me something first. So obviously, even if they apply to any other HFC or bank in the market, they can check it for free. So I'll get the customer. Right, right. Because in your FNDG, it's vir it's virtually your book. Like not actually, but virtually, it's like your book. Only. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. One way to uh, increase this uh, 
like coverage uh, of those additional 1500 crores that you're currently letting go is FLDG. Uh, what else are the, you want to also be a lender, build your own book, uh, like become yeah, an HFC so, yourself? So that's the end goal. We want to become a bank eventually. We have big goals <laughs> in next 10 years. We'll be one of the biggest banks in India, hopefully. Wow. So we started, we started as a broker because on day one, if I go to a bank and tell him that, okay, give me some money I want to lend or any other investor that give me some money I want to lend. Who will trust me? No one. So what we did, we started with distribution as a broker and that was our step one. And there we have now getting 5,000 crores of customers every month. So now when I went go to bank and tell them that, okay, give me a book. They don't ask me whether you have posted, uh, you know, business or not. I have business. Now they ask me, what is your credit capabilities? So now I'm learning credit with FLDs. Post which I'll enter into co-lending and then eventually HFC and then eventually we'll do multiple other products. So it, 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 it's simple that, you know, either, uh, you know, you, you, you have a big father or you have to prove yourself. You know, we are proving ourselves. Uh, so these are, and again, it helps us also because, see, lending or credit business is a double-edged sword. As in, if it don't work out, then it will cut you also. So we are also learning along the way. In progress, I have zero risk. In FLDG, I have risk of the deposit. In co-lending, my risk will slightly increase. And eventually, I will become a HFC and we learn along the way. So that's also good for us. And again, we have to make a business in 10 years, a good business. Not in those years, but like we have to sell it to someone. We are building it for a long term. How do you build a housing finance company? Uh, you know, which is essentially your roadmap. So just tell me about that process. See, idea is that uh, uh, currently we are doing FITG. Then we'll take a license to do co-lending. And in co-lending, we'll further learn more about credit and uh, various other risk functions. And then eventually we'll take the complete rest on our own book. Uh, but in a co-lending setup, again, you can have some book of your own uh, as you have the license. Uh, the license generally costs around 20 crores because you need to show a stat capital of that to uh, NHB or RBI, uh, National Housing Board or RBI. Uh, so you have to do that. Yeah. And uh, again, when we started, we didn't have that much money. So eventually uh, the problem was you were not able to get a license. Now we've raised some money to do the FNDC and once this FNDC POC, which we are building is successful, then we can go and market and show that we have a profitable brokerage. We have built our lending capabilities. We need money because we have created an engine. We just need sure to grow it further. So then we'll take some more money to take our own license. And regarding capital, see capital is easily available. Uh, it's not that difficult because at the end of the day, uh, you know, even if I do loans at 14, 15%, these are secured by uh, mortgages. So it's a kind of secured returns I'm giving to investors. So it's better than FD, it's better than government boards. So people will be trusted to lend money. And uh, what I've seen that in market, you can leverage the capital you have and you can raise more money or you can issue bond papers. So, uh, for a housing finance business, capital is not difficult to get. Uh, the more difficult thing is to get the right customers. Hmm. Right, Which, right, right. By the way, we have sold already. We have a platform where customer is coming. We need capital to give it to them. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, I guess generally they say like one is to four, one is to five kind of a ratio. Like your equity to debt uh, for a lending business is what is acceptable, uh, ideal rather. Yeah, so currently if you see, uh, we don't have any debt. We are doing FNDG. So there we are putting some equity. So if you see in a different way that I have put my equity of 5% in the FLDG, so our equity to debt ratio would be close to uh, 20x. 
ஒருத்தர் like uh, a customer who is taking a loan for 10 lakhs or 20 lakh rupees they will charge the loan processing fee try it out so you go to just then find an idea say telling you need a loan of 10 lakh rupees he'll say i'll charge my 3% of front then help you in the loan we have a real case you know mm-hmm. in jaipur we disbursed a loan for 15 lakh rupees now the customer come back to my team and say sir ye kya kar diya aapne you are like you ask for 15 lakh she got of 15 lakhs no sir isme se 2 lakh to aap le loge So mm-hmm. like what are you saying so customer also expect that people will take money from there right. so this dsa industry was i'll say it was not regulated see unfortunately in india if you see if a person has to do insurance uh, or become a insurance agent they have to tie up with or have to register with the irda for a mutual funds mf exists but loans there is no regulatory body so any dsa can charge anything they can miss sell they can do anything so that thing i believe I, I think that was the, the I think the industry was dominated by DSAs. What we are trying to do is, uh, and uh, we were trying to give customers the same DSAs, but we are asking them to follow steps according to our app. We tell our customers upfront through our app through notification if anyone is charging you money, let us know. We'll give you one EMI free. So those kind of things we have done that so the customer is benefited. So in a way, we are organizing the DSA industry also by uh, gamifying their experience through our. App. No, same. You know, if I if I again compare it with Ola and Uber, if I take you know, 20 years back from here, uh, what was the problem of the taxi man? Uh, you know, a taxi driver will roam here and there to find the customer. If he gets the customer, even he needs a longer ride, lamba wada chahiye. He will not go with the meter, okay? And he will have he will not give a good experience to customer. Same is the problem with DSA market. The agent needs a big ticket to the customer. They will charge unnecessary cost to the customer, and experience is totally bad. Ola and Uber never created any new taxis. For the same taxi drivers, they you know they created a new experience for the customers. That's what we are doing. We we are just you know organizing this industry. Can we call as a pseudo regulator for these uh, DSs? Because and we can do that because we are not aggregating their customers. We are providing them customers. We are providing them new business. So that is the reason they listen to us. They follow the steps in the app. They do it in a proper way. Okay. Yeah, I I'm guessing that at twelve fifteen thousand crore dispersal, you would already be the biggest DSA in the country, or are there other? No, DSA? we are not. Yeah, the no, D- there are uh, you know there are traditional business houses. They have been established in India for past thirty thirty five years. They are doing uh, close to I guess two thousand crores a month. Uh, so that's why I said that uh, as a DSA. Two thousand crores as a DSA. So, uh, have, yes. Would I have heard these names? Uh, any names? So that's the uh, I don't want to name here, but okay. yeah. See, that's the that's the irony. That's the drawback in their business model. They are doing so much, but you won't have heard their name. Why? Because they are not originating their customers. They are asking small DSs to aggregate, and now these small DSs don't allow them to even talk to their customer because they are afraid that these customers will be taken away from them. 
So, you know, today these fintech companies, even though they are burning money, they are creating a brand image, brand name, influencer services industry, brand is everything. Because you're dealing with money, you're dealing with people's money, you're dealing with banks' money. So if you don't have a good name, the growth will be hampered. So, uh, but but these aggregators or traditional DSA models, they they don't, their customers don't even know. Which you must, okay, let me just ask one question. Daily basis, I'm very sure you would be getting calls, sir, you credit card, personal loan. Nah, they only you use the name of the bank, like, HDFC card, HDFC uh-huh. card. So they, no, they will say I'm calling on behalf of HDFC. Hmm. They will not say I'm not from. So that on behalf is actually a DAC. Right. Okay. Got it. He cannot links from the HDFC or any other bank. So that's what they do. They are not able to tell their name to the customer. So this is this is the problem on the branding side which we are solving. Through our app, through our interaction with customer, we tell them that okay, we are helping you in your home loan. You sit at home, my agent will do everything. So that's again a differentiation which we agree. Okay, okay, got it. Amazing. Uh, how big is your team today? So we are now around 450 members in our team. In that, uh, we have around 250 people in uh, sales. These guys uh, are spread across 30 cities. Their job is to, you know, uh, acquire these agents uh, or DSs to whom we give our uh, leads. And uh, these, then they train them, then they help them on a daily basis for any kind of uh, issues or problems they solve. So, so. And the others? So 250 out of 400 are sales, the remaining remaining are in, uh, primarily you can say in technology, in uh, we have a small call center also, because when we get the customer uh, on our uh, uh, platform, uh, a courtesy call goes and uh, we try to understand their problem and then accordingly we assign them the agent that who uh, will work on your application. So we have around uh, 50, 60 people in call center and uh, then uh, people are around 20 odd people in technology. And then we're in other various functions. And uh, I'm guessing that you would not need to increase this team size too much, uh, even when you are at say 2,000 crores monthly dispersal, even at that stage. You yeah, will we will have to increase it, but not that much. See, whenever we start a city, we need to have a city manager and two, three people under them. And that because, not because of operation demand rate. That is only because, you know, the agent want to have a face because, you know, in India, counterparty risk is high. So uh, if I if I give an application to a customer to fulfill or uh, sorry, an agent to fulfill, he will not do it until he's sure that he'll get his money. So he needs some kind of presence and eventually he can go away with those uh, things. Okay, okay. What happens when you open a city? Uh, like say, you go to small city, like say Amritsar, what would you do there? So first thing is we hire a city manager and uh, two, three people under them. Uh, then uh, we lies with banks so that uh, we get permission to do business in their branches over there. And uh, then uh, uh, obviously the first thing is to acquire agents and customers. So uh, uh, then these uh, people under uh, that city manager, their job is to go to market, acquire these agents and tell them that how to do the business with us. And then uh, we impanel these agents and we start giving leads to them. Uh, what about uh, like you know some sort of a, uh, asset check that whether this uh, Amritsar has good quality assets what should be the right property value for that uh, like how do you do that when you go to a new city like how do you learn about property prices and quality of assets in that city so for that you know the data is available on RBI website the RBI published the statistics 
that how different cities are performing. We take that data and uh, then we go to Rada website. If you go to Rada, you get the new projects to be launched in each city list. That what come upcoming projects are coming. So you get to know what will be the demand in the city. So from there, we have made a list of top 100 cities in India where we want to expand first. So first we went to first 30 cities. And then again, in some cities, it, it becomes easier for us to expand. Like, you know, we follow a benchmark model. So we have three hubs in India currently, Delhi, Mumbai and Bangalore. And we expand really, really as a spot over there. So if I'm in Bangalore, it's easier for me to expand to Mysore. It's easier for me to expand to Bangalore. Uh, now we started Chennai uh, two, three months back. So from Chennai, we are expanding to other, uh, you know, Tamil Nadu cities. We are expanding to Kochi. Even though uh, uh, some of these cities are not in the top 100 or, you know, top rankings, but it's easier to expand because my team is over there. So it's a mix of strategy that we deploy. And again, as I told you, it's a very regional industry. So I sit in North, so I might not be too good in the South operations. So we have our uh, business head in South. Uh, who's sitting in Bangalore. And so he makes a strategy. I just have to, you know, back him for that. Okay. Uh, my last question to you. What have been your learnings uh, while building BASIC? See, the biggest learning I had is that uh, while I was working in, in other companies for five years, I always wanted to start something. In fact, in 2012, I started something after leaving my job, uh, uh, which was on the lines of Urban Clap. But I was not able to make it successful. Uh, it was two years before Urban Clap. Uh, so I was really afraid that if I start something, you know, now I'm married also, how will I yeah. you know, solve all the problem? How will I get the money? So now the biggest learning is that if you have a good idea, there is a lot of capital available in India. Even if you don't get capital, start with good people because you don't have to solve all the problems. You have to solve the first few problems. Then you will get good people to solve very many problems. So make a good team. So that's something which now, you know, touch wood, if it don't work out, suppose something bad happens. I might not even try to go for a new job. <laughs> you know, I try to build something again because I've learned that, you know, problem looks like a big problem, but you have to break it down into parts. You solve the first few parts and then other people will solve it for you. Then, no. uh, you know, importance of teamwork. Uh, see, I started working as an uh, investment banker. And even though you have teams in investment banking, but it's more like the individual contribution kind of job. So, uh, but when you are managing a single team of 400 people, uh, not uh, 250 people and other team members, and then you have 8,000 agents. So it becomes, a, you know, very crucial that how you communicate. So in the beginning, when I started in this industry in 2015-16, I got a lot of, you know, backlash because I said something, it propagated something uh, else to a person who is uh, at a relationship level, uh, a relationship manager level. And he, you know, thought about it in a different way. So you become, you know, more experienced in how to handle, how to manage expectations, how to talk to people. That's something good. And obviously the third thing which I have learned and more than my investment making job at that time also, I was raising money for other companies, but now I'm raising it for my company. So I've learned how to present your business better, how to, you know, explain it in a simple form. Like I was giving a lot of examples in our talk also. Uh, the taxi driver, those things. So I've learned it along the way that, you know, it's not always to go into the integrity. It's better to tell it like a story or some examples. So I think I've learned a lot along this journey. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at thepodium.in. That's ad at 
t h e p o d i u m . in